You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Beşiktaş'ın Everton'dan transfer ettiği çok önemli bir oyuncu. Yıllarca Premier Ligi salladı. Attığı goller, yapmış olduğu asistler, çalımlar ve özellikle gol sevinçleriyle adeta bir fenomen. Kendisi bir fenomen. Gol sevinçleri bile dünyada konuşulan bir oyuncu. Delali Beşiktaş taraftarıyla tanışıyor şimdi. Dünyanın bildiği o üçlüyü çektirecek. Artık bir susuyoruz. Delali konuşuyor. Harika bir atmosfer var. Atatürk Havalimanı Genel Havacılık sahasında harika bir atmosfer. Delali Beşiktaş atkısını taktı. Delali. O forma kutsaldır nasip olmaz kimseye tezahüratları. Delali şimdi arabasına binecek ve konaklayacağı otele doğru gidecek. Welcome back everybody. This is episode 242 of the Black Eagles podcast. And of course, I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City, where you might be wondering, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Didn't Weren't you just yapping in my ear the other day about Fatih Kadegumruk? Sure enough, I was. Well, of course you all know why I am here. Obviously, it's to announce the incredibly surprising, incredibly interesting, certainly we could say, confounding for some, uh, came out of nowhere, transfer of none other than Kerem Atakan Keskin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, and of course, that was in fact a move made. Uh, we got the 21-year-old uh, midfielder prospect from Sivas. He had established himself as a starter there, and then he was impromptly, or, or rather promptly, as impromptu, mixing words together. But he was promptly yanked from their squad 
mysteriously, not that mysteriously though, because in fact, he was joining the likes of Besiktas, which gives us some valuable depth, right? Like at that point, Kartal Kaida Yilmaz was the only man off the bench. And so for anyone who was like, is he good enough for the squad? We didn't even have the, the, the ability to make that or to, to address that line of questioning because we had no one else to put out there. So sure enough, we do in fact now have the 21-year-old Kerem Atakan Keskin, which it's great. We need the, we need the depth, like, I, like I've said. Uh, worth noting, he came from Gentler in Ankara uh, and the Bujaspur um, academies. So some pedigree there, perhaps. And uh, yeah, he's, he played for them a little bit. Buja, Guztepe, Sivas, finally. And then for Sivas, he really played quite a bit, making 27 appearances in over two seasons, uh, including a couple this year. So yeah, that could be a great a little addition for us, no doubt. But obviously, what we're all here for is news regarding Turkish clubs in Europe and the great work they did with our coefficient. No, kidding. Uh, and I do just happen to be coming in fresh off of, uh, you know, Basakşehir here beat Royal Antwerp 3-1, to one, which is, in fact, quite helpful for our coefficient. Don't get that twisted. Um, it's important, even, even if it's just the conference league for Turkey to have the ability to rack up some points for their coefficient and get back to where they ought to be. So yeah, good win for them, no doubt about it. I think they could have been our only representative Oshakshir, in the uh, Conference League, if not for the fact that Sivas lost to Malmo 5-1 uh, to one on aggregate. Nil to two today at home, so that was embarrassing, no doubt. But Fener won four to one against Austria Vienna, giving us again some important coefficient points. Uh, of course, yesterday Trabzon drew Copenhagen, or Copenhagen, uh, which is a major disappointment, in fact. And again, Abdullah Afji is just not suited to European football. Just can't whether it's prioritize it properly or, or gauge it, you know, and understand it and how to play against some of these these clubs abroad, whatever it is. Like, he just, it just doesn't translate. We've seen it ourselves. But so, yeah, that's your little European update. But so let's obviously get to the big news. And that is that we have brought in a, cl a player of world-class pedigree, you could say. Dele Ali. 26 year old and he's 26 until April so he will spend much of the season 26 we're buying him or we're getting him rather on loan with an option to buy we can get him this winter for six million or next summer for eight million if we uh, you know, need a little more time to see what what we what, you know what he's putting out there for us he has actually spent the majority of his career and this will surprise many as a central midfielder, though I think most associate him as a you know with the number ten role as an attacking mid. Uh, that said, you know he's played on the wings a little bit. 
it's actually often a kind of criticism that he doesn't quite fit into a defined role. Although what's actually interesting in this case is like with Valerien and Ismail's 4-3-3, in fact, we kind of need someone to be more of a number eight, more of an actual central midfielder, though with the attacking inclination, something of an advanced play, playmaker from the center of the center of the midfield. So he might actually perfectly suit our needs, you know, especially his sort of indefined or undefined role. So that's fun. Um, just to sort of, you know, do some of the basics, because I don't think the guys are, why would they, right? His full name is actually Bamidele Germain Ali. He was born in Milton Keynes, England, which, uh, you know, is the place, you know, he played for MK Dons, Milton Keynes Dons, uh, as a youth coming up in their academy and made 62 appearances for them before getting the move up to Tottenham, where he established himself as one of the brightest prospects in the world, uh, very nearly gracing the cover of FIFA in 2018, um, and fe featuring there till, from 2015 till 2022, making 181 appearances, scoring 51 goals. Um, you know, he obviously, like people, most recognize him for these last couple of years where he's fallen off. He's gone to Everton where he didn't quite establish himself. And people question whether he, you know, wanted to or not. He featured for the English national side 37 times, scoring three times between 2015 and 2019. I mean, we really are talking about... He could be one of the most famous players in the world. In a, in a sort of different multiverse where, you know, he pulled together his season, like the season before last, for example, you know, second half of the season, he just puts out a great performance for Tottenham or whatever it is, you know, and, and just reestablishes himself. Doesn't quite happen. It was a weird year for everyone with, with COVID and everything, right? But, um, yeah, you know, it's a fascinating, 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 fascinating move that being that that we're that we're doing here, and I think what's what's really interesting about it is, like I said, when we we're talking about Keskin, the the guy who we just brought in from Sivas, we just absolutely need depth, right? Um, we're playing with three midfielders that looks fairly well established. We're not bringing in defensive players of the caliber that we need to to play the three men back. It is what it is, you know, I think Wellington doesn't fit the profile. We need a Turk anyway to, to meet the, the needs of the league's rules. And frankly, we have too much talent in the center of the midfield to not utilize a three midfielder, you know, a trio in the, in the midfield, even though we lack that depth. And then part of the, the reason is that Joseph is injured, which contributes to the lack of depth. But even beyond that, even if it was just Joseph that was there and he was playing instead of Berkai Vardar, then your bench is Kartal Kada Yilmaz and Berkai Vardar. Right? That's not a solution. So Keskin coming in, okay, now you have an option who's theoretically better than Kartal Kada Yilmaz, you hope. And as such, Kartal Kada Yilmaz is being loaned out, potentially for two years, to Umrani Espor 
Oh no, sorry, that's not true. Uh, just for the for the one year, uh, I, I read that wrong. But um, yeah, it, it it's probably a good move for him. They're in the Super League now, right? So it's it's good quality. He's been playing against all year. He's established himself in that team already. Uh, it's in Istanbul. It's not a huge move for him or anything. And he can kind of be close to his, you know, friends in the team and all that, you know, uh, on, on off days and on, in the evenings and whatnot. So um, it makes sense. On you're checking all the boxes there, uh, and he gets to play regularly. And he's certainly not gone by any stretch. I think when you look at this team, you've got, you know, he, especially if he has the capacity to play six, right? Uh, Joseph and Atiba are both quite old. If you're going to be kind of uh, rude about it. <laughs> um, and even the guys in front of him, like Jetson and Dele Ali, both have the capacity to play so well that we almost have to sell them should uh, a career opp opportunity present itself to either one. Just for, for their sake, you know, should, they might want to make that move if, if like a Premier League side comes in for them or, or whoever, right? So there could very easily be positions available to him, and I think the fact that we're loaning him out suggests that, like, we're not giving, you know, that, that, that book isn't closed. We also re-signed him through 2025, to reiterate that fact, perhaps. But so, meanwhile, we have Dele Alli, 100% uh, in, you know, signed, announced, fun graphic with Rick and Morty already uh, up on social media. Big fan, apparently. So yeah, you know, best of luck, obviously, to him. Why, why, why wouldn't we want that? He's he's gonna be a potentially talismanic figure for our club if he if he finds his form again. And could theoretically make he could make a, make us a lot of money. Um, so let's obviously hope for the best. Now, with all of that said, what does this mean for our midfield? What does this mean for the whole Turkish the eight plus three thing? Right? It means Ersin. Obviously, doesn't have to continue playing. That wasn't ever really a doubt. It means we definitely need a Turkish central defender out there next to Roman Seitz. Nejip can't be the solution. You know, obviously, we all hope it, it, it could be Emre Can Uzunhan. Not a particularly great first appearance to, to pin those hopes on. So, ideally, right, that would be the move we'd be making. But, like, what a corner that paints us in, right? There's literally two players in the world. Koray Gunter and Khan Ayhan, who have the sort of skill set and the position, positional ability that we need. So talk about a difficult position to be in. Now what else could you do? You, you know, obviously the third player is Sally Uchan, who you hope continues this form and keeps playing in the center of the midfield next to Dele Ali and Jose, or Jedson. Now, in theory, every so often you could take Sally off and play Jetson with Dele Ali and Joseph. Uh, and you would maybe play, you know, Umut Medash as a left back, or Amirhan Delibash potentially as a winger. It'd be fantastic if he could catch on. Or, you know, Berkay Vardar could play still, like, you know, in for Joseph. Joseph is going to have to be brought in carefully. He, he recovered maybe a little too fast, honestly. Uh, and you, you want to make sure he doesn't re-injure. We need a guy like Joseph for the derbies. You know, for, for those sort of more intense matches where we need that support in the back of our midfield. So, 
we can't overlook that need. So, you know, it, it just creates another fold. We certainly are going to have to make space for Dele Ali to play. And hopefully he finds his form and, and commands that space, right? But with all that said, there's still only rumors about foreign central defenders. Isaac Hien finally, it turns out, signed for Hellas Verona, which you'd think makes Koray Gunter slightly redundant, which, hey. But again, right, we're, we're backed into that corner where they, they know how much we need him, so they can kind of hold, it, hold us to the fire there. So we might hope to just resolve this internally. We might hope that Berkai can slide into that central defender role, or again, Emre, Emre, Emre Can does, you know, as we bought him to do, <laughs> in theory. Um, I, certainly Nedjip can't be the long-term solution. With that said, he played a fantastic match against Fatih Karagumruk, and you know he has the capacity to, to put out the occasional fantastic match, so who knows? Who knows what we end up with? In theory, like, if we are getting another another talented foreign central defender, again, maybe more of a prospect, you'd imagine, it would suggest, you know, maybe Cenk Tosin's going to play more often than you, you, we expect, or... I mean, there, there are some some solutions that maybe we, we aren't considering all that much that could be utilized. Maybe there's a, four, uh, a guy in the academy you know, that, that we haven't considered. <laughs> um, whatever the solution is, this is a, a fascinating move and I think a really exciting one. And it could be the type of move that sets us up for success in the years to come, almost single-handedly. Of course, that's not never true in football. It's a, it's a, it's a sport where there are 11 dudes on the pitch having to co be cohesive together and employ tactics, you know, and, and play, or play them right. So, one guy alone isn't going to do things, but financially, he could really contribute, right? A couple of good seasons with us, and a re rejuvenated 28-year-old Dele Alli could certainly interest one of those Premier League sides that inevitably will overspend, no matter who they're buying, honestly. So, let's hope for the best. And, you know, knock on wood, of course, that like his troubles are behind him, whatever those troubles may have been, which you know tend to be overblown. Media, media can be a thing, right? And maybe just this is just the move for him. And in a lot of ways, it's this is a very intelligent one. Anyway, I'm I'm thoroughly excited for it. Let me get to the point. Khan is here with three fantastic interviews, and uh, yeah, he. Let me just jump right in. First of all, we have. Ricky Sachs. He's the creator and host of the Last Word on Spurs podcast. Huge Tottenham Hotspurs fan. So without further ado, let me hand the mic over to, of course, everyone knows, Khan Bayazid, who has, has interviewed three fantastic guests. And I don't know what the ordering of this was. Perhaps it was kind of first come, first serve. But here we, here we go. First up. Ricky Sachs, representing the, the sort of Tottenham Hotspurs side of things. There we go. All right, let's uh, get straight into it. I, I realize right. your time is uh, limited, so... Thank you so much. That's brilliant. 
see. Joining me right now is uh, Ricky Sachs from The Last Word on Spurs podcast. Ricky, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the Black Eagles podcast, fellow podcaster. Uh, we're here to talk about, of course, Deli Ali's uh, pending move to Besiktas. She arrived early in the morning today in Istanbul uh, via private jet. And of course, you know, the majority of his career, internationally at least, where people really got to know him was at Spurs. So uh, I'd really like to get some of your thoughts on uh, Deli Ali, what uh, went wrong at Spurs, but Initially, let's talk a little bit about his meteoric rise after his move from MK Dons from League One. Uh, thank you for joining me on the show, uh, Ricky. My pleasure, no problem at all. Well, listen, firstly, Deli Ali, a player that I've admired for many, many years. Obviously, watched him at Spurs at great length. Was such a, <laughs> a Deli Ali fan in terms of what he achieved in such a short space of time at Spurs to begin with. Um, like I say, his meteoric rise came, of course, from that move from MK Dons to Tottenham. I think... Upon joining Tottenham, there was that feeling that it would take some time for him to settle. We wasn't too sure if he would hit the ground running straight away. But, um, I mean, he almost took to the Premier like a duck to water in an English phrase. He just simply blew us away, um, seemed to fit into the team, fit into the league, his goals, his assists. And, of course, he won Young Player of the Year twice at Tottenham, um, a player that was fundamental to Pochettino's regime. Um, in that early period of his, you'd say that word, maybe success at Tottenham by getting into the Champions League, the latter stages of the domestic cups, and really putting Spurs back on the map as a club that was really feared amongst Europe's elite. And Deli Alli was a huge part of that, a huge part of that indeed. And I think in those early stages, what made him the player he was, was he was just absolutely fearless. He went into every game believing that he was the best player on that field. And that certainly translated into some of the wonderful performances, the likes of Real Madrid, uh, the likes of we've seen against at home to Manchester City in the Premier League, where again, he was vital to a win there under Pochettino against Guardiola City that at the time were unbeaten. So we're talking about, at the time, a very special teenager that was, uh, listen, amongst Europe's most wanted in those early years of Deli Alley. You know, certainly Real Madrid were circling for him. And I think all of us at the beginning thought we've got a really, really special player on our hands here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember Besiktas playing against Tottenham in uh, the 2014-15 season. I think that was the, the season before he arrived at White Hart Lane. Um, and you really could see that transition for Spurs uh, going from, you know, uh, Europa League side to a Champions League side uh, in the following years under Pochettino and, and like you said he played a big part in that um, so of course you know that step from League One to the Premier League that's a massive step and nobody really expected him I think to hit the ground running as he did but immediately he goes and on and scores 10 goals in his first Premier League season he uh, scores 50 Premier League goals o over the course of his career for Tottenham um, and then, of course, you know, European success, a couple of really uh, incredible goals, uh, both in the Premier League and uh, in Europe. Uh, I seem to recall a, a overhead kick in the Europa League, which was really in, in, in the final months of his Tottenham career. Um, but one of the things that's doing the round, of course, on uh, social media is you know that 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 interview that uh, tidbit with uh, not interview really but uh, the meeting between Jose Mourinho, uh, Jose I should say sorry Jose Mourinho and uh, and and uh, Dele Alli at 
at Tottenham. Um, and it's a little snippet taken from, of course, the the Amazon Prime documentary on Tottenham, which I actually watched in its full length uh, <laughs> doing my research for this. Um, and people seem to frame it a little bit as well. That's 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 a, um, a, a hard to heart that Jose and uh, and Delhi had uh, at some point uh, because he was wasting his uh, talent, so to speak. But uh, in the way they copy and pasted it, so to speak, you know how the editors work. Uh, they put it in the first episode when Jose just arrived. Um, and after that, Dele Alli actually went on a really good run of form for Tottenham, scored a lot of important goals. Tottenham, of course, were in a bad way at the time, a lot of injuries. Uh, and Dele Alli really stepped up in those first weeks under Jose Mourinho and was an important player. But somehow, along the way, faded away again. And then, of course, you know, when, when Jose Mourinho left, uh, Espirito Santo came in, I believe. He didn't get many opportunities there. And then, of course, more recently with Antonio Conte, he was uh, made completely redundant. How do you... Can you explain, from your point of view, how you uh, lift that as a fan and what you think are the reasons for Dele Alli's, uh dissipating form at, at Tottenham the last uh, two seasons really since since Corona uh, I have the impression that that hits him hard and that he hasn't really been able to uh, get back to his former level after the whole pandemic uh, break putting the world on hold yeah I mean listen there's a lot of speculation already out there about Deli Ali um, in terms of his personal life and in terms of maybe not having that support network off the field I mean that could couple towards maybe what we've seen in terms of really struggling to be able to handle the level of pressure after those first two great scenes at Spurs I think there was an expectancy for him to really kick on and improve but essentially it hasn't happened there's a number of formality reasons for that you probably argue there's been obviously a change of manager at Tottenham he lost a very close manager to him in Maurizio Pochettino someone that he trusted very much Delhi was a player that upon joining Tottenham I know studied very carefully to ensure he was joining someone that could be able to coach him and almost be that figure that he could turn to almost like a father figure for Delhi um, that could really guide him off the field as well as on it there's an argument that maybe the managers that have come by at Tottenham, the likes of Nuno, obviously since this is obviously Protestino's departure, uh, Nuno, Mourinho, Conte, are those the real type managers for Deli Alley? Having said that, I think you have to look back at the player as well and ask the question, has he put the work in? I think, you know, that Mourinho interview or that segment in the All or Nothing documentary, I think, again, that was a conversation that Delhi had to be had um, purely on the basis that we were seeing the drop off towards the end of Pochettino's reign. And we did see, as you, as you mentioned there, an initial spark after Mourinho came in. But unfortunately, Delhi just couldn't recover that form we saw in the first two seasons. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly the reason for Delhi Ali's downturn, because to come into the league and do what he done, you would think... Is it a lack of hunger? Is it a lack of appetite? Because the thing with the Premier League is, you know, watching maybe you guys from the outside looking in at the Premier League, it is such a ruthless, ruthless division where for one moment you take your eye off the ball and you drop your intensity and you drop your hunger, you're gone. And I think with Delhi, um, there's an element to that to some degree for whatever reason, maybe he's lost that hunger. And I don't know why, because he's one of the most talented footballers I've ever personally watched and seen up close in terms of the ability on the ball, his reading of the game, uh, his mind and all knowing to arrive at the box. And I think 
what surprised me was I thought Everton would be the perfect move for Delhi going to somewhere where um, he would be a real fan's favourite. Everton would warm to him. It's a real people's club. He'd be working with manager in Frank Lampard, who arguably is one of the one of the greatest um, players in the Premier League's history. A player that is known for arriving at the right time in the box, and therefore you'd think he would be the perfect coach for Delhi. But again, Lampard for all of his endeavour to bring him in, and I know again it was deadline day, so he didn't have much of a choice. Bearing in mind he joined the club at that point, um, Delhi's lack of game time at Everton, I think tells you everything in terms of just how far off it he's been in terms of the level. Hard for me to comment on the application commitment and work rate because obviously I don't see Delhi in training every single day. But um, listen, Frank Lampard, I know, was a big, big fan of Delhi, wanted the player massively, got him. And I'm sure if it was the Delhi Alley of Tottenham in those first two seasons, then Frank Lampard would be playing him every week. So there's a reason behind that. It's difficult to know the exact reason. But um, I'm hoping that this impending move to Pesiktas really does bring out the best of Deli Ali again. Because as a Spurs fan watching him in those first couple of seasons, arguably one of the best young players I've ever seen put on a Spurs shirt, who gave us moments of brilliance. Real Madrid, of course, as I mentioned. Um, goals against Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, City. This guy is used to scoring in big games. And I just hope for Delhi's sake that this move to Besiktas can almost revive his love for the game because he's a really special player. Yeah, he's just 26 years old and he's played an incredible amount of first team games already. Of course, he made his debut, I believe, at 16 for MK Dons. Um, of course, at a lower level, but still playing senior football at a relatively high level uh, from a very young age, over almost a decade now. Um yeah, I was speaking to Rob Daly the other day, and he uh, said to me he worked incredibly hard ahead of the 21-22 season to getting an incredible physical shape that uh, yeah, maybe the best shape he's ever been in physically. Um, I didn't get the sense from my from my short conversation I had with Rob the other day that, that, that Daly really is a lazy player, seems to work harder than people think but he does have that little perspective where he might come across a little nonchalant and people seem to i don't know may, maybe the, the Mourinho snippet on uh, as well influenced that more and more but did, did you ever have the impression that uh, on the pitch at least that Deli Ali was a lazy player no, I wouldn't use the word lazy. I mean, Delhi was a very intelligent player that knew the right time to arrive in the box, which again is why I thought Frank Lampard would have been the perfect manager for him. Yeah. Really hard to comment on that aspect of laziness because um, I've watched some of the greatest Spurs players not be the most proactive, but coming alive in a moment, Berbatov was one that you know was a very much yeah. relaxed player on the field, but then had a moment of brilliance that you would think, wow, you know. So I don't think it's all about just running around and, you know, for the sake of running around, there's going to be a purpose to using the moments that you are on the field for the right time to sprint, the right time to arrive in the box. And Delhi had that skill. And I'm a firm believer that you just don't lose that skill overnight. I think confidence is a big thing in football. Of course. Um, listen, when you lose your confidence, it's very hard to sometimes get it back. And I think with Delhi, he lost Pochettino. He had Mourinho come in. Subsequently, then lost Mourinho. Then had, uh, of course, um, Ryan Mason for a period. Then Nuno Espirito Santo. Then Antonio Conte and now Frank Lampard. And I know the narrative is, boy, if four managers can't see it, then it's got to be the player. But listen, mm -hmm. for me, Deli Ali gave me some wonderful moments as a fan. And my hope for Deli is that he rekindles his love for the game at Besiktas and goes on to be the player that we all know he can be. 
because I think no. with Spurs fans there's that real affinity there where we know he's a special player and we all just want to see him get back to his best and fingers crossed one day I would love to see him back at Spurs in the form he showed in those first couple of seasons and he is only 26 he's still at the moment this is what the sad thing is for Delhi. he's in the peak of his career and this is no disrespect to Benedict Besiktas to where Delhi is at the moment, I think Besiktas probably can't believe it. They're getting someone like Delhi Ali, who was unbelievable in those first couple of seasons. But we all hope Delhi's going to go to Besiktas, do really well. And whether he falls in love with Besiktas or whether he sees his future back in Europe, we just hope, I think, me personally, he finds his love for the game and comes back to the form that we know he can provide and do, and produce. Yeah, for sure. No uh, disrespect taken there, I think. Um... Turkey has a reputation for bringing in people over the hill, has been stars, former glories. Um, it, it, it does happen from time to time that a player in his prime comes uh, to rekindle their careers. We had it, of course, uh, Fenerbahce had Nicolas Anelka in the mid-2000s who came to Turkey, I believe at 26, went back to the, U- uh, to, to the Premier League afterwards, uh, playing for Chelsea. Um, John Caru had the same thing at Besiktas in 2004, uh, rekindling his career before going uh, to Lyon and later on uh, playing for West Ham for many years. Um, th- and yeah, the current crop of Besiktas' team right now is a lot of players who, like Rashid Ghazal, who was at uh, Leicester City, who really was a little bit on a, on a sidetrack there, rekindled his career at Besiktas now. Um, and you do see a lot of that. Uh, Turkey has a bit of a negative uh, reputation, but for a lot of players, it's an opportunity to uh, get their careers back on track um, and maybe not make that step back up to the Premier League, but find, like you said, enjoyment back in football. And uh, I think it's different than going, for example, to, to Saudi Arabia or Qatar, where, let's be honest, the only reason players go there is money. Uh, I'm not saying that money isn't a big part of uh, the reasons why players come to Turkey. It certainly is. But I think for people like Delhi, it's more about... um, I got the impression that he was really keen on this move, that he wanted to change the scenery. Because I can't imagine there wouldn't have been any Premier League... Maybe not a Premier League club, but even a Premier League club, you'd imagine they'd want to maybe gamble on him. Maybe we can get it out of him. He's, He's had a couple of bad seasons now, but... If you look at it statistically, and the Mourinho season is not that long ago, it's only been two years where he's really been pro- proper down and out. Uh, and even in the 21-22 season, I think he had a really good game against Manchester City. But of course, you know, that's just one game. But it's not like uh, it was completely, like there, there weren't any signs anymore that he wasn't, was going to be able to uh, perform. I, I think he played a very important role for, for Everton last season in the Crystal Palace game that ended up uh, saving their asses in the Premier League. Had a pretty good preseason with Everton as well. Do, do you think that maybe for Everton it's more about cutting their losses because it's not been a massive hit and there is a potential for them having to pay a lot of money if they start playing him more and more? I mean, that's obviously one of the key aspects for Everton that I think if he was to play up to 20 games, there would have been a trigger there. would have had to owe Tottenham a substantial fee for the player. And I think, again, they're of the opinion, Everton, that long term, they obviously don't... Well, Frank Lampard doesn't see Deli Ali as part of his plans, which is obviously the reason why he's allowed Ali to leave the club. And I think Ali's at a position now in his career where he just needs to play regular first-team football. I think the key thing a lot with Deli is when he moved to Everton, the first thing he said when outside of the club... 
um, on deadline day was that I just want to play football. I just want to play football. So I think Delhi's move now is motivated by playing. And I think, listen, that Besiktas hopefully will get that, get regular game time. And I think we all were intrigued to see what happens to Delhi Alley in a different climate with a full focus on football, with regular football, how he gets on. And I'm sure Everton, in the forefront of their mind, there would have been definitely an aspect there of knowing they would have to pay Tottenham a fee. And I think for the player's own mental health and well-being, you know, he's a player that's training to whatever level he's training, he wants to play. So that's key for Delhi. So I think, as I've said, for me personally, I want to see him go to Besiktas now, get his move, work hard, play games, score goals, contribute to goals. And as long as Delhi's happy mentally and obviously is contributing in the way he wants to in football. I think that's the most important thing now. Football has always got to also be about the player, focusing on what the player wants to do, how he wants to perform. He needs a, a decent support network around him at Besiktas. That's something I would say with Delhi. I hope he's got that wherever he's obviously staying there. But again, for me personally, I think all I can say to Delhi is wishing him all the very best and I'm hoping the move goes successful yourselves. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, I have one last question, if you don't mind, uh, just uh, quickly, because a lot of Bishtish fans are kind of puzzling where is Deli Alley going to slot in? What would you say are the best positions uh, for Deli Alley to play in? Well, I think definitely for me as a Spurs fan, I mean, Deli Alley's best position was when he played off Harry Kane as the number 10. So uh, that for me is Deli's best position. Just, I mean, just kind of off the striker, I would say that number 10 is where I think Delhi's best position is for me personally. And that's where I see him making the most effective difference in if he's played in that role. All right. Thank you very much, Ricky, for your time and for your insights on Delhi Ali's time at Spurs. And we'll be continuing this episode uh, with a couple of other guests to give get their thoughts on Delhi Ali and his move to Vishkish uh, later on. There we go. Very much, of course, to both Tom and to Ricky Sachs of the At Last Word on Spurs podcast. You can find him on Twitter, at Ricky Sachs, R-I-C-K-Y-S-A-C-K-S, one word. And yeah, obviously very well informed on the Spurs. But let's keep things moving. Next up on the docket is Dylan Walsh. He is a very well-established journalist for HITC Sport, where he covers the Premier League uh, extensively. Apparently, he's a pretty serious Arsenal fan, but uh, he covers the the, the league that Dede Ali has played in um, and beyond the sort of Tottenham lens, right? So it's good to get this sort of objective overview of the, of the situation so yeah without any further ado dylan walsh and of course con by up and we carry on our episode here on dele alley with dylan walsh journalist for hitc sport and also a premier league accredited reporter dylan thank you for joining us uh here on our special episode on dele alley thank you i'm honored to be here and of course, Dylan, you're uh, you're an Arsenal fan, so you'll have a little bit of a different perspective than our previous guest. Um, can you tell me what, as an Arsenal fan, going through the last couple of years, or really the last 15 years, I suppose? Uh, it's you know, success has been 
kind of meager, I guess. Uh, so you'll be able to relate to uh, to Spurs fans in that regard. <laughs> I guess so, but at the same time, we, we've actually won some stuff. I mean, granted, it's only been FA Cups, but yes. you know, it's still it's yeah. still a pretty good competition to win. It's still yeah. more than Tottenham have won in the past, however many years it is, they've won anything significant. But I think they won. Is, a, didn't they win the FA Cup in two thousand nine or something? I think they won. Something. Uh, they won the League Cup oh, the League in two thousand and nine, okay. and that was a, a jammy winner in extra time, I believe. All right, all right. Well, you you English and your cups. So many different cups; it's, it's difficult to keep track of. What's it, what? What really is the difference between the, the FA Cup and the League Cup? I never really uh, so, understood. So, so the FA Cup is open to every single club in the country. So, like your local Sunday League team could have a chance to play in it. Mm. Whilst the League Cup is just for the, the four top divisions. So, okay. in the League Cup, for instance, it's like Liverpool v Derby, which has been the draw recently. Yeah. Whereas in the FA Cup, we've had like Arsenal v Sutton United, who are a sixth tier club based in London, who only have a thousand fans. And who only had five seats in the press box. Like, so, so the FA Cup is pretty much like the major cup competition, yeah. whereas the League Cup is very much a competition where like it's for like the smaller, the quote unquote smaller big clubs in England. Okay. So, but okay, okay, okay. It's... It is very confusing. Don't <laughs> I, worry. I don't see the need for two cups. That's uh, so weird. Don't there, you? There want, is a, isn't there, there already is a... enough football to be played? There is. There's a very strong debate that uh, the League Cup should be scrapped, or mm. like teams who compete in Europe should just not be played in it because this year yeah. it's the competition is weird. But so usually the third round draw was made last night, and they're playing the games three days before the World Cup break, which is a bit crazy because yeah. usually the League Cup final was in like January, but because of the World Cup and yeah. because of the break, it's just all a bit mental this year. Yeah, and with the Champions League expansion in 2024. Only uh, more games for exactly. players. Exactly, it's, it's, it's gonna. Re it will reach a breaking point at one point. It has to, right? Like pl players are playing 55, 60 games a year now. Yeah, well, L Liverpool alone, like last year, they played the most games possible for an English side, and it's it's showing this season because they all yeah. look. They've got like nine players out injured. They're all exhausted. Mm -hmm. it, it's just outrageous what's going on. But yeah. there's got to be a you know a breaking point eventually. Yeah, exactly. But we're not here to debate UEFA and FIFA's uh, questionable ethics. No, we're not. <laughs> we're here <laughs> Absolutely to not. talk about Deli Ali, and uh, of course, he arrived uh, in the wee hours in the morning uh, in Istanbul. Um, but uh, yeah, the big question for me is, as an Arsenal fan, how did you look at uh, Deli Ali's uh, initial uh, arrival, so to speak, on uh, on uh, the main on on the on the main scene? in the Premier League, were you surprised by the impact he had coming from League One? Yeah, I was really surprised. So Deli Ali came through Milton Keynes Dons, who are a very, very controversial football club in England, but nonetheless he came through their academy and pretty much like established himself at the time in 2014-2015 as like the player in League One. He was about 18 at the time. He had a man-of-the-match performance against Manchester United in a really famous 4-0 win in the League Cup, like we were just talking about. Yeah. And like at that game, like um, just reading through like match reports and stuff, like scouts from Liverpool and Bayern Munich were at that game. But eventually, it was Tottenham who signed him for about five million pounds, which was, in hindsight, an absolute bargain. Mm -hmm. And when he signed for Tottenham, a lot of um, for Premier League football fans thought, you know, he'll he'll be here for a few years and then he'll break into the first team, like when he's like maybe like I don't know, 23, 24. Uh, not the case. He broke in almost immediately when he signed. Um, he was he played against Arsenal in the derby very early in the season and was actually, again, man of the match. Uh, he was just this absolute phenom that we haven't seen in years. Like 
usually when a player from, especially League One, which is the third tier, mm-hmm. comes to the Premier League, and usually just, they just don't play. But Deli Ali like, broke like all the stereotypes. He was out incredible for Tottenham. Within a, like a year and a half, he was already in England squad. He was the first player to win back-to-back PFA Young Player of the Year award since Wayne Rooney. He was just this incredible talent who could only keep going up and up and up. And as an Arsenal fan, it was I was a little bit jealous because of just how good he was. Because we've had many young talents come through our club and just not been that as you know, not go to the next level. Granted, we've got Bukayo Saka at the moment, we've got Martinelli, we've got Emil Smith But at the time, Deli Ali was just like this on another plane of potential. Uh, yeah, he was he was just so exciting at the time. But then it also just you know all went downhill very suddenly. Yeah. And he was also instrumental in uh, in England's 2018 World Cup uh, campaign. And of he course, was, yeah. He, uh, sc- he scored at the quarterfinal against um, Sweden. He scored a really nice header. He, he was, he was, I don't think he started that many games from what my memory recalls, but he was like an you know, influential figure in the squad. And it kind of just like spoke at the time with his colleagues at the time because like he was, his, I think he was still really young. He must have been 21, 22 at the time. And he was just like a regular for England, like alongside Raheem Sterling, all these great players we had at the time. So when he uh, started dropping off in the last couple of years, uh, he still had a little like he had those those moments still where you could see that he was, of course, you know, the great player that he was early on in his Tottenham career. Uh, he, I think people forget, but because I've I've seen lots of comments of, oh, he hasn't done anything for four or five years," but people forget he gave two assists in that famous win Tottenham had in, in, in Amsterdam just two years oh, ago yeah. don't remind me don't remind <laughs> me I'm, I'm, I'm still not over that result but yeah he did he was a lot of people will focus on Lucas Moura that night yeah. because he got the hat-trick, hat-trick, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember Deli Ali just being an absolute uh, it was when Juventus went uh, ahead in the, not again this Ajax went ahead in the game mm-hmm. and then it was just like it was like a switch just went off in Deli Ali and he was just incredible for the rest of the game and you're right he got the two assists on the night and Thankfully, he didn't turn up for the final. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully for you. Thankfully yeah. for for Besiktas as well, probably because uh, things might have been different. Um, yeah, you know that's that's the, the nature of football. Uh, somebody loses their way in one club, uh, becomes uh, redundant, but that becomes the uh, next man's treasure. But that wasn't the case for yeah. Everton. Um, everyone, I think kind of expected him to maybe find himself again at Everton what do you think went wrong with him uh, for him at Everton why didn't he manage to uh, settle there I think it's a case of him needing more time more than anything like granted like we said like he had his incredible rise with Tottenham and it looked like he was going to stay there forever but it's pretty easy to forget like especially in the 2018-19 season when they got to the final Yes, he got the two assists, but I think he missed about 30 games or something ridiculous like that from injuries. Yeah, he had a lot of and hamstring, then, three hamstring injuries, yeah, I believe. A lot of, yeah, he was really injured throughout that season, and maybe he just never fully recovered from that. And obviously, Pochettino gets sacked, Mourinho comes in and you know tries to do what Frank Lampard did and try and get the best out of him. But obviously, Mourinho is Mourinho. It's never going to work out that much with him around. But I think the main thing that just didn't work for him at Everton is just, for starters, he came to a club in absolute crisis. Like, they genuinely looked like they were going to get relegated. And, you know, Frank Lampard tried, had to rely on the players he knew were going to step up every single game. Like, Grant, if you look at that squad, Deli Ali's probably on paper, like, the best player in terms of quality at the time, maybe on par with Richarlison. 
mm-hmm. but because he had for so long just been so out of form you just couldn't really like gamble on him to like you know potentially turn up in a really important game so I think that's the main thing I went wrong with um, Everton I just think with him at Everton it's just he didn't have the time to really like the um, settle to get to know Lampard to get to know the squad and you know when the shit that's coming with an offer that you know an offer that Everton essentially can't refuse because they need the money it makes sense why Everton have decided to um, pack him in already this is something that boggles my mind because uh, I've heard this multiple times now Everton are you know it's trouble they need money this and that how, how can a Premier League club that earns nearly I believe 96 and a half million pounds just on TV money alone <laughs> on top of that gets a ridiculous amount of sponsorship money I mean the, the money coming into these Premier League clubs how how is Everton in a position that they need money I, I, I don't quite understand um, long story short just years of transfer negligence and just making horrendously bad deals and having a part Russian owner obviously with everything that's going on with Ukraine uh, I believe at the moment uh, he's taken most of his funding out of the club, which is mm. a, a big reason why Everton were like able to, you know, keep making these transfers and to financially spark the Premier League. But because now he's no lo- no longer part of the picture, they're also in the midst of like building a five hundred million pound stadium. Uh, so that as well is just like a huge financial yeah. undertaking. So that, that's a they're in a really oddly unique position. Like yeah, granted they are Premier League side, but they're one of the probably the only one who are in a bit of a weird financial situation because of just unfortunate events that have happened over the past few years. So would you would you think that it's more about, not so much about the money coming in potentially for Deli Alley because there's no loan fee, the, the, the potential, there's two options to buy. So Bishtesh mm-hmm. have the option to buy him in January for 6 million euros and, yeah. it, and then they have a second option to buy that they can trigger in June for eight million euros, so that's yeah. kind of uh, that's kind of Everton's way of saying just get them off our books ASAP. Yeah, and I think the it's also I think financially financial factors are a bit of a reason why the move has happened, but also I think it's because Deli Ali himself just needs a completely he needs a career raise start. I think. Granted, I wouldn't have picked Turkey as the country to do it, but you know, Besiktas are a massive football club. They're going to have a huge. They've got a huge following here in England alone. I've, I don't know. That's this, going to Turkey is the thing that stumps me with Deli Ali. But yeah, not, not just you, by the way. I think I think uh, I myself and a lot of other uh, I think Besiktas fans were were kind of taken by surprise because this news uh, kind of erupted like uh, ten or so days ago. I think exactly. Um, yeah, but at, the, but at the same time, uh, Besiktas are a club who have proven over the years they when they sign players from the Premier League, they do actually perform pretty well. I remember uh, was it Michi Bashuai last season? He was, did he did okay. He was a bit of a disappointment, a, to be fair. Um, yeah, the expectations for him were a lot higher, um, and mm. he, he did. I mean, statistically, he had a good season. But Rashid Ghazal from Leicester, yeah, he 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 literally dragged the team across the finish line for, to win the league uh, two mm. seasons ago. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's probably the star player of the team right now. Um, mm. had really took took to Turkey, took to the club, settled in really well. 
Yeah. Um, and right now, actually, the uh, Josh Kevin Okudu, of course, former Spurs player as well. Jitson Fernandez, mm. also former. Well, yeah. He he stayed over at Spurs for a cup of coffee. Um, but there's a lot of <laughs> former Premier League players there for sure. Exactly. And I, I think Roman Saiz as well uh, moved there. This Roman Saiz just came over this yeah. summer from Wolves. That's true. Uh-huh. So, so he's going to be surrounded by players who um, he uh, he is familiar with. I played against him in the Premier League. Yeah. And I think. Like, like I said, Turkey wouldn't have been my first choice, but I think in terms of like all the the big clubs, apart from maybe Trabzon Sport, Besiktas is like the probably most uh, safest option, I'd say, because you know so many players go to like Galatasaray or Fenerbahce. Like, I, I immediately just think Mesut Ozil or Fenerbahce. Like, that mm. seemed like such a perfect transfer, and it's just everything that went wrong for him absolutely went wrong. So. I think it's more. I think that's really more the case of. I mean, you know, first and foremost, Fenerbahce have been very chaotic for the last decade or so after the yes. after the um the whole uh match fixing thing in 2011 the clubs mm-hmm. just never been able to restore uh yeah i don't know just been able to restore yeah just normalcy yeah. so to speak like the the club's been going in, t- in one season into the other full of chaos Especially the last eight years, because they haven't won the title, and they have a, they have you know one of the richest men in Turkey is uh, mm-hmm. is their president, but uh, he he can't just you know inject money into the club freely because of financial fair yeah. play. So there's like lots of shady deals going on uh, and bringing in ridiculous amount of players and it's so why we love Turkish football though <laughs> it, well yeah I guess it, it's, it's, it's a big reason why Turkish football is as big in England as it is is because these Turkish sides just make bombastic deals just to get in these huge name players yeah but with Ozil, I, I think it's more a case of the player. Like, I, I'd love to sit here and tell you it's all Fenerbahce's fault, but I really think that Mesut Ozil has himself to blame. Oh, no, I, I partially agree with you as well. Like, I, I think Fenerbahce, like you said, is a bit of a mess of a football club, but also Mesut Ozil himself is just packed in with football, I think. I just think... I feel like he's kind of done with football. That's the impression yeah. I get from him. And he's just, you know... I don't know why he signed for Bishakshi here. Which he yeah. did now, and it's like, eh, like you're gonna play there. To, it won't be long until he's a full time Twitch streamer or something. <laughs> well, you know, so he did say that he wants to go into uh, esports, and he is an esport team and everything. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he's well, he's 30, he's 33 now, so I, I wouldn't give him yeah. give him back maybe a year or two. Yeah. Yeah, he probably would have been better off. He probably made enough money in his career already. I don't, I don't really, I don't quite understand why a player. Who's had the career of Mr. Dizil would want to go and play for a club like Bashakshir where you play for? Uh, when, when his one, best mate, when his best mate, the president owns the club, or I'm not sure how the relationship works. But uh, then, yeah, let's not go yeah. into that. Ugh, yeah, uh, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> you're not on the right podcast for that. Bashakshir fans uh, aren't very fond of him. <laughs> uh, well, you not, know, some not, of them not many people here are as well. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. Well, I think many people in Turkey aren't either right now because of the the situation that the country is in. But we'll see. Mm. Um, oh, it's yeah. a football podcast, not politics. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna alienate some listeners because there's, there's gonna be bound to be some listeners who uh, who still support uh, the local the, the government. Yes. But yeah, I mean, on this podcast, we have been quite outspoken on the fact that we aren't very uh, much uh, in favor. But whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, it is true. Like, but Turkey isn't the logical lo- destination for a twenty-six-year-old, though. Like, Deli Ali is not 
at the same stage as a lot of the you know a lot of players that come to Turkey are usually you know approaching thirty. Um, mm. They not like not always are looking for, to rekindle their career. Some of them are just looking to wind down slowly, but still like for example thing that less so now maybe but like in the previous years because now turkey turkey's economy is absolutely dreadful at the moment but like in the mm-hmm. previous decade like guys like wesley snyder came to turkey Trogba mm-hmm. came to turkey uh ricardo quaresma came to turkey um pepe uh you know so many big names have come to turkey and yeah they were like not all of them but a lot of them were in their ter- well into their 30s like pepe and like Drogba, uh robin, yeah. robin van persie um and you know Mario Gomez, another one. Uh, not all of them were successful. Some of them were hits. Some of them were misses. But most of them did come to Turkey because Besiktas, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, they were able to offer them still being competitive in Europe. You know, Galatasaray was active in the Champions League a lot. Besiktas has participated in the Champions League uh, multiple times over the past decade. Um, Fenerbahce hasn't since 2009, actually. But, you know, still, like... There's that, and there's also the possibility for them to retain their wa- was at least their, to retain their wages. Something that I remember when Inter was tra- looking to offload Wesley Snyder, um, Liverpool were supposedly interested in him, but weren't willing to take on his wages. Whereas yeah, Galt- the, yeah. The, fav- the famous case is Manchester United constantly being linked with Wesley Snyder, and I think the wages probably might have been the reason why they never actually signed him. Yeah, and Galtzer actually took him. I think he was only like twenty-seven when they signed him. He wasn't. He wasn't thirty or anything yet. He was still pretty it young. Was, it was only a season or two after he arguably should have won the Ballon d'Or. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, in two thousand ten, he was you know arguably the best player in the World Cup. Or yeah, one exactly. of at least, and I mean, he won the double or the triple with with the Inter. Triple. Yeah, exactly. And then two, three years later, Inter were in financially precarious position, uh, and then Galtzer signed him, and he was on a heavy on a heavy wage. Like I don't remember what it was, like around five million a year. Uh, but I do mm. recall like Liverpool and other clubs being linked at the time, but they just weren't able to for some reason, which is mind boggling now to think of. But they weren't able or willing to match the wages where Galtzer were, and that's something mm. we've seen often in Turkey where players who players who just want to get money they go to Qatar they go to Saudi Arabia they go to China but then there's yeah. another grade of players that okay they want to retain their high wages wage standard they had in the Premier League they had in whatever but then they also still want to play in Europe and that's mm-hmm. usually the profile player that comes to, to, to Turkey but I don't think Dele Ali is fits in that profile like because he's still really he's literally just turned 26 like last month or something yeah um, very much still in the, in his mid-20s uh, I, I think for him the sense I'm getting is that he's just looking to you know find his smile again in football and yeah, uh, yeah I don't know if Turkey I, I wonder why Turkey was his destination in that regard. Uh, we can, you know, yeah. make, make up a lot of romantic stories about the passion of the fans and stuff like that. But what do you think? Uh, why, why would you think that somebody like Dalai would go to Turkey rather than I don't know the Bundesliga or? I mean, I'm sure. The, I mean, he's 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 dropped off, yes, but it's not like he's been in the bin for five years. Like like I said, yeah. two years ago, you're still you know deciding a Champions League semi final. Yeah, I think the reason why he picked the Shikdas, it might be because, for starters, it's pretty late on in the transfer window. Like, mm. granted, a, a big club could come in, make an offer for him. But I think maybe for him and Everton, they decided the first big club that comes in will take the offer. 
anywhere now. And Besiktas, you know, like I've said, they're a massive football club. Like you said, passionate football fans, huge fan base in England as well. Like considering how much of the Turkish diaspora is in England, um, I think he also is up for the challenge himself, and he wants to prove himself that he can. But for starters, get back to like the quality he was at and test himself in a league that, from the starters I can remember, not a lot of English players have actually played in. No, that's so true. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, exactly. Besiktas had a couple of uh, English players. I was we were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we were the, the one who you thought was my uncle. Who I had absolutely <laughs> no idea who he was. <laughs> yeah, because you know Dylan, Dylan Walsh. You know Alan Walsh. He played for yeah. Besiktas in, in I believe in the late eighties <laughs> under Gordon Milner. Uh, but I, I'm amazed. I never knew that, and you've <laughs> never told me for however long I've known you. Well, it's we've known each other for a long time, and just yesterday, I I don't know what it was. I was just looking at your name. I was like, Walsh. Wait, is he fat? Yeah. <laughs> Could he be related? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's never occurred to me before. Uh, oh, but I just suddenly had this little blinking light above my head going off. Um, but I guess the most famous player to ever play for Besiktas was Les Ferdinand. Uh, he actually yes. came to Besiktas in 1990, I believe. He stayed there for a season. And he really, mm. I mean, kind of kick-started his career there. Um, like after that, he went on to have an amazing career in the Premier League. Where... Yeah, he's, he's still one of the most respected Premier League strikers yeah, of all time. For sure. Like he's... And uh, I think he's, for Besiktas at least, the highest profile Englishman you'll find. We've had a couple, like I said, like mm. Alan Walsh. And like uh, during the time that Milner was training Besiktas, there were a couple of them. But um, not, not a lot. And obviously, you know, English players don't go abroad all that often anyway. It's kind of like Spaniards, mm. really. You, 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 yeah. they, stay, they stay in their own country. They have a great league, so, you know, why would they leave? Yeah, well, well it's more of a recent phenomenon more than anything. Like, ever since Jamie Sancho went left Man City to uh, join Dortmund, like, a mm -hmm. lot more English players are starting to take that leap to go abroad. Like, I'm, I'm only thinking of Serie A, like, Fikayo Tomori left Chelsea to sign for AC Milan. He was arguably the best defender in Serie A last season, alongside uh, Bremer. And th this summer, we're now seeing even more players potentially going abroad. Like this week alone, I've seen links of like uh, Trevor Shalaba uh, potentially going to Inter Milan, and Jeffrey uh, Tanganga, who's another uh, Tottenham player, going yep. to AC Milan. Like it it's definitely a growing trend, and uh, it's a trend that I completely approve of. And I think that might be why Deli Ali has. I think it's a very logical reason why Deli Ali has decided to go to Turkey for countries because it's a league, like, like I said, not a lot of English players, but Les Ferdinand probably is the highest profile player to go out there, unless there's another one I'm forgetting. Can't really think of one. I mean, most most recently, Stephen Cocker was in the league, and I think he played a couple of games for England. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a nail I've heard for a very long time. <laughs> Actually, he, he signed was, for... Wasn't he, wasn't he really good as well, from what I remembered in Turkey? He from... was really good at Alanya Sport, and then Fenerbahce signed him, I think it was last season. They signed him, mm. and he was literally there for like a week. And then they said, oh, uh, the trainer at the time said, oh, I, don't, I don't want this guy, I, I just send him away. So they literally just signed him, binned him, and then they loaned wow. him out. And he's still under contract with them, but obviously, you know, he's, he's gone on a pretty decent contract. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame because at Alanya Spore, he was actually really good. Um, mm. Yeah, and he had a little bit of a traumatic experience as well. He was in the same bus with uh, the player that uh, passed away a couple of years ago, Joseph Shural, when uh, they, their team they had like a, a team van uh, yeah. that had a, that had an accident, and the guy got hurled from the from the car. I believe 
uh, Walker was in 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 the van with him. Um, but yeah, no, he did actually really well, and it's it's a shame now because you know he's just rotting away really in Fenerbahce's reserves at the moment. Yeah, um, maybe he'll get a move on that un unless I'm missing something and he already got a move, but I don't think he has. But uh, yeah, um, apart uh, from according from to him, according to Wikipedia, he's back at Alson Allensport. Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah. Ah, I should have to check it. I'll check it after yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might be low. He's rejoined on the permanent deal. Okay, okay. I, I should check that out. Um, but yeah, I, I, apart from, from Cocker, I can't really think of mm. an English player. Huh. Yeah, it's really difficult. Oh, yeah. Darius Vassell was briefly at Ankara Ah, Bujic. yes. Had a traumatic yes. experience there. <laughs> they, they there, there, dare I ask? Well, they signed him for their centenary year, um, but then I think he was just miserable there, and they also had money issues, uh, mm. and they—I mean, they've—they've they've basically been going, going down this vicious cycle of um, signing a bunch of players, getting promoted to the, to the Super League, going not bankrupt really, but basically bankrupt, relegating again, mm. then doing the same thing and repeating the same pattern over and over. But this was like in 2010 or something, I think. But uh, yeah. I, I remember uh, reading an interview uh, with Darius Vassell and he was just miserable sitting in an apartment alone in Ankara, not really enjoying life there. Uh, yeah. So you just Google it, maybe you'll find it and you'll be able to read it. That was yeah, actually yeah, a I'll, decent, I'll, uh, decent piece. I'll definitely do my he's, he's always one of those um, pub quiz players always comes up like who's this uh, Manchester City player who played 20 times for England and like yeah, yeah no. before they got before they got bought I don't know <laughs> I mean they, you know the, the Premier League used to have those really fun English strikers like uh, Carlton Cole and Darius uh, oh, Vassell oh. and uh, yeah. Darren Bent like those Peter Crouch nah. <laughs> 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 I said fun Dylan <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter Crouch is a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cult hero. We yeah. love him. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he heard us a few times. I think for Stoke and for Liverpool, he wasn't. He was involved in that eight nil. So you know, no, he's he's oh, wow. uh, er erased from my memory. <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing him up. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I think you would. I think he would have actually done quite well in Turkey had he. Uh, oh, it would have been fantastic move. in Turkey. Yeah. He, 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 his first ever loan spell away was away in Sweden, and he absolutely loved it. And then um. Oh yeah, he would have been brilliant, Turkey. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, to get back to this, this is yeah, like I said, not very common for English players to come to Turkey. So I mean, the, mm. Engli the English love coming to Turkey for uh, cheap trips, uh, cheap teeth, and cheap hair. But uh, yep. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's hope uh, that uh, that Delhi uh, comes and. Um, not just for actually does good does, yeah, does yeah. good for footballing reasons so, and not for yeah. Delhi Ali gets hair transplant. So, what do you yeah. think about his motivation? Like, do you think do you think that he's interested in kickstarting his career again and will be looking to just? I I genuinely think he's there to kickstart his career again. Like, there's obviously an argument to be made that oh, he's gone out for the month out there for the money, but yeah, you know, he's already he was on a hundred thousand pound a week reportedly at Everton already. So, I don't oh yeah, Bistas are not are not a. 
exactly. Uh, the the, the, yeah. the shit will not be paying that fee. I'm, I'm, I'm highly guessing uh. Everton covering most of the wages. So uh, I believe Bistez are covering 2.2 million of his wage, and I 100,000, okay. how much is that? That's like 5 million pounds a year, so... Yeah, yeah, so he's about half. Um, so yeah, I, no, I genuinely think he's out there in Turkey to get his career back on track, and I, knock on wood, I really hope he does, because he's absolutely, on his day, he's, he was one of the best players in the Premier League, and if the shit does can get that out of him, if they can get like the right atmosphere for him and get the right attitude from him, he is going to be an absolutely phenomenal player in the Turkish Super League. Uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully that uh, is what will occur. But you know, it's always possible that it doesn't. Uh, wh- it what, what, do you, what do you think was the main reason for him dropping off when Pochettino left? Um, and uh, first, he did well actually under Jose Mourinho because. Uh, Initially, at least, but then yeah, uh, no, I, I remember the very first game Mourinho managed. They played West Ham, and Deli Ali got back into the eleven, and he basically did a break. It's one of the weirdest assists I've ever seen. He did yeah. basically like a, a break dancing assist. Like he was on the floor and did like, yeah. did like a leg spin yeah. to get the ball out to Son, and then Son scored, and it was like, oh, Deli Ali's back, and then that would ultimately probably be his high point under Mourinho, which is a bit of a shame. But I think, I think he had a really seen. nice, nice goal against Manchester United as well, and he scored a couple of crucial goals in, initially. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. His, his stats under in the fourth, first full season under Bruno was surprisingly good. I think he got like eight goals in the league, which mm. isn't yeah. pretty good for a midfielder. But after that, everything just fell off for him. Like injuries weren't great. His off the pitch antics weren't exactly uh, good. Like he got suspended, I think, twice for stuff he did off the pitch. It's just a a culmination of attitude and really bad form just led to him just dropping off a cliff mm. and ultimately it's led him to Turkey where hopefully he's going to get sorted out. I, I watched the the, the, the Tottenham uh, documentary recently on uh, Prime, uh, mm. you know, cause all, in, all in, in preparation of this. Um, and I kind of had the impression that his big drop-off coincided with the corona crisis outbreak because before yeah. corona he seemed to be doing really well under jose or mm. Ju- jose jose i should say sorry <laughs> <laughs> but uh then afterwards i mean he did have some yeah, i think he had a really spectacular bicycle kick in the europa league and stuff like that after but that was like mm. last year or something already or like a year i don't remember exactly yeah but yeah it, it seems that the, the the corona crisis and and the football stop that's where it seems to have gone wrong for him. Do you think it might have anything to do with his personal life? Do you know anything regarding controversies in, with his personal life or so, anything like that? I think the main reason why his form completely dropped off but after the pandemic was mainly because before the pandemic hit, Tottenham had a pretty bad injury crisis. Like, I think yeah, Kane, and, Kane and Son were both out yeah. injured. So, I, I think him, and, him or Lucas were like the sign strikers so they were the talismans of the squad they were like getting the results even at the time the results weren't great they were the main ones pushing Tottenham on and suddenly you know football stops for three months Kane and Son suddenly come back and then you're now on the bench because the two best players in the team are now back so I think that more than anything is, is the main reason why it all just fell off because like you go from being in pretty good form granted the results of the team aren't good but you're playing every week form's pretty good and then suddenly football's cancelled for three months and then you'll, you know, back on the bench again. I think that might be the main reason more than anything. 
Yeah, this is odd though that 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 he wouldn't just play in tandem with them because I mean initially he he did form a, a great mm. couple with with Kane and with Son uh, in the previous yeah, seasons. Yeah, I mean, well, their parts, when, so. when Ericsson was there, I mean that front that attacking four of Son, yeah. Ali, Ericsson, and Kane was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 puzzling. I I've spoken to a lot of different people. On this matter already, people that follow uh, Tottenham close as well, and they all seem to think it's like some sort of mystery what happened. Like nobody can really point to it. Like I've heard some some nasty rumors, uh, but I've checked mm. on those, and nobody seems to really have heard of those. Really, yeah. like, you know, hey. how, you know how things go in in the UK. You know, people start making up stories, and then uh, this is yeah. in Turkey, but yeah, and then they yeah. start leading a life of their own. Mm. Yeah, he's an it's an absolute enigma why so everything just went so badly so quickly for him. Yeah, and then there's of course the the whole uh, sit down with with Jose Mourinho where you know he's talking about your lazy trainer and stuff like that, which I feel kind of gets, yeah. gets taken out of context because you see it. I saw it a lot on Twitter recently with uh, with the Deli Ali to Bishtes news coming out, and then people are like, oh, you know, Jose was right, you should have listened. And uh. mm. but the the thing is, if you watch the documentary, like that's actually the first episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and afterwards, he actually goes on and does really well for a good while. For exactly. Him. And it's like exactly. okay, um, but have you ever heard anything like that? That he's lazy. That he's that he I don't know is more preoccupied with stuff stuff off the pitch. Girls I've, or something. I've heard one. I've heard one story where um, under under Pochettino, he missed a Tottenham training session just to get a tattoo, okay. which led to him being on the bench for one game. But um, aside from that, that's the only really incident I'm, I'm aware of yeah. that um, you know him putting personal interest ahead of training. But I'm sure there's multiple other in um, incidents that just haven't been reported. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Dylan, for your time and uh, to uh, delve into Deli Ali a little bit. Uh, short prediction for you: What do you think uh, he'll uh, do at Bishtej this season? <sighs> oh, that's, a, that, that's a tough one because it can go either two ways. I think he's either going to be he's either going to steal the steal the, the show in the Super League and just be absolutely fantastic, or he's terrible and he's back in Everton in January. <laughs> black or white, really? <laughs> but he, he's such a yeah. It's a black or white situation for him. But for my, I personally hope that he absolutely smashes it in Turkey and he, and he just does incredible and he makes a legacy out there. All right, thank you, Dylan Walsh, and we'll be continuing this episode in a while with another guest. All right, all right. So again, you can check out Dylan Walsh on Twitter at Dylan Walsh. One word: D Y L A N. W-A-L-S-H underscore and he again he works for H-I-T-C Sport which is at H-I-T-C Sport pretty simple <laughs> um, but so yeah of course finally and let me keep things moving along as best I can we have Kevin Hatchard and Kevin is a commentator um, for the Bundesliga for RadioUEFA.com, I mean, he, he's easily found um, all over Twitter, a big football Twitter figure himself, uh, Kevin Hatcher, with, of course, Khan Bayazid, yet again. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hand it off. Hey, 
And joining me right now is Kevin Hatchard, who is a football commentator for Talk Sports Radio, Sky Sports News, and also uh, commentates on the Bundesliga uh, World Feed. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving us a little bit of your time and insights on our new signing, Deli Ali. Uh, no problem. Looking forward to it. So, uh, Kevin, obviously you've watched a lot of uh, Premier League football, Bundesliga football, you've done a lot of uh, all that uh, comment uh, commentating on, on. Did you do any European games recent, uh, in, in recent years as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been working on the Champions League for UEFA for the last few years. So that's been a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that again. I think we're going to have a really exciting Champions League this year. So, uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to work on a few different things. Good no, fun. no Turkish club in the Champions League this year for the first time since uh, 1995, 1996. So uh, no Turkish club in the Turkish group stages. That's a, it's, a, it's a new one for me personally. I've never not. Yeah, it's team. a real blow, actually, because and obviously it was tough for last year as well wasn't yeah, it because yeah. last season they were in a an incredibly tough group and yeah. as you know that team defensively had a few problems anyway and yeah then, so to come up against that kind of quality in the group stage was and very very difficult yeah, the, ma so the main to, issue was the, the the injury uh we we had 10 reserve players playing against ajax basically yeah so yeah. that was that was a really big blow. Went into the group stage with really high hopes. I thought we played really well in the opening game against uh, Dortmund, but you know, Haaland, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Michi Bacuay had a couple of really good chances. Their goalkeeper made some incredible saves, uh, yeah. but then you know, defensively we came up short on corners. That was the same story against Sporting, where we were just dreadful on the defensive set pieces for some reason. Uh, had a world, oh, such a beautiful goal that Michi, um, that uh, Alex Teixeira scored right ahead of uh, of stoppage time. I don't know if you saw it. it reminded I remember me it. Of, yeah, it's great here. Yeah, the, yeah. Van, the almost Van Basten-like uh, volley mid-air was absolutely tremendous, and then it gets gets disallowed for yeah. for a few millimeters of offside. It was very painful. Um, but yeah, it was a dreadful campaign for us to look back at. I, I didn't think we were actually terrible in any of the games given the circumstance with all the injuries and stuff I, we still stayed fairly competitive against Ajax which I did not expect uh, with uh, so many starters out injured but you know you're left with zero points at the end of the day and what can you say really it's a dreadful campaign and Turkish clubs in the last five years or so have been um, going down a slippery slope and yeah. uh, of course the coefficients only go back five years so right now Turkey has gone from a mainstay around that 11-12th spot on the coefficient rankings for the past decade or, or more to suddenly finding themselves in 20th and next season even losing a European ticket. So, uh, yeah, no more direct qualification for the group stages. Um, Turkish football is uh, on the ropes, so to speak, when it comes to uh, the European uh, spots, which uh, I do watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of Eredivisie. I watch a lot of... Uh, uh, Belgian league, of course, and I, I watch some uh, Premier League games here and there. And I always find, like, when I watch the Turkish league, like the level, the tempo in the league it depends, of course, of which game you're watching on what day. But I was watching an Eredivisie game last week. I was just thinking to myself, "Oh dear!" Like, if you're not watching Ajax or PSV or Feyenoord, like sometimes it can be really dreadful. <laughs> and it can be the same in Turkey, but like, the yeah, I think that's the frustration, isn't it? I, I think there's so much pressure on sides. You know to kind of keep that coefficient up and mm. 
you know, these things go in cycles. I mean, you think in Scotland, for example, yeah. they've only just managed to get Rangers and Celtic into the group yeah. stage. I think that's the first time in a long time. 12 years, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first time for, for a long time that they've been able to both qualify. So I think these things do go in cycles. I'm sure the Turkish clubs at some stage will be back. Um, it's a shame that Traps on Sport weren't able to mm. make it past Copenhagen. That was a real shame, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be back. But yeah. they're still making exciting signings. All, all, uh, all credit to to Copenhagen over the two legs. They totally deserved, and of course, they've been uh, champ- regularly in the Champions League the last couple of years. And uh, they've not the first Turkish club they faced. They played Galatasaray in the group stages a few years ago. Did really well. Eliminated Başakşehir from the Europa League round of yeah. 32, I think, uh, during the Corona season. So uh, I mean, they de- definitely uh, earned their keep. Um, but you know, for for Turkey, it's a, it's a big blow, um, and it's it's going to be more of that in the upcoming years, I fear, because uh, Turkish clubs have the tendency of not being hundred uh, percent ready. I mean, look, Fenerbahce went out against Dynamo Kiev, who hadn't played a competitive game in eight months. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a hugely disappointing result, isn't it, really. <laughs> yeah. But I think as well, it's. I mean, you will know this better than me, but. I think stability is a big part of it as well, actually. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Fenerbahce have had a fair few problems in that regard. Mm-hmm. There have been some signings that haven't worked out. Galatasaray always seemed to be um, having some kind of crisis. <laughs> You've had clubs like Bishak Shahir who uh, have been more successful than people thought they would. I mean, that was a, that was a really surprising story, them winning yeah. the title. But that was never probably going to be sustainable so yeah it's a difficult one yeah i mean you know bashakshir is a special story you know it's it's easy to operate at a club where there's almost no pressure where you have no fan pressure no media expectations they've been building they have uh government funding basically that they can you know like they were basically what the year the season they won the league i think they had a similar wage budget to bishiktas with you know a fraction of the to the income in terms of gates and all that kind of stuff so you know you have to wonder where that money comes from right but uh yeah <laughs> I've, I've i've delved into that uh, subject many times and you know yeah that's like, probably a different <laughs> podcast isn't it really <laughs> yeah it, it really is but we're here to talk about deli ali of course uh bitch this is new signing it's not uh, official yet 100 percent because he still has to go through a medical of course that that's happening today um so you know by the time you listen to this podcast it'll probably be official already he's expected to be in the match squad on monday against sivaspor already um yeah a, a big surprise for everyone i think when this news started coming out last week uh especially for people in england i think but also you know for us in turkey uh well, I didn't live in Turkey, but, you know, for Turkish football fans, it was a big surprise as well because Bishesh were able to keep this quiet for a long time and suddenly, apparently they've been working on it for a couple of weeks already, um, but suddenly the news came out that it was close to being done and it was really mind-boggling, you know, despite the fact that Deli Ali definitely has dropped off the last couple of years and especially, you know, since Corona, he's basically almost dropped off the face of the earth, really, um, in terms of performances. He had the odd good performance still, I guess, in the last two seasons, but uh, it's been really limited. Uh, but it's been a real shocker. How, how is it the news? Uh, how have you received the news and how have uh, people around you, uh, how do you view the, the move, so to speak? I think it's a really interesting move. I think there's a hope that he can rediscover his form, rediscover the kind of joy of playing in a way. 
you know, you're always slightly loath to speak for people, but it, you look at his performances and he doesn't look the player with the same spark as was doing well for England at the World Cup back in 2018, was scoring plenty of Premier League goals and making Premier League goals when he was playing for Mauricio Pochettino at Spurs. I think there are lots of different roads you can go down in terms of analysing him. A lot of people look at it and think, well, he kind of made it. I mean, his whole career really was about being that street footballer who proved people wrong, who proved that he could play at a high level. You had the kid that amazed everyone as a youngster at MK Dons and he got that move to Spurs worked his way up became a regular became an England player got a big contract with Spurs and people wondered if that fire had gone out a little bit and that he no longer had anything to prove that might I think be a bit too simplistic I think part of it is to do with the managerial upheaval that's been at Tottenham There's no doubt he played his best football under Pochettino. That's clear to see. I think that's why he was linked with the move to Paris, actually, when Pochettino was the coach there. There's that famous uh, documentary clip of Jose Mourinho saying to him that, you know, he's effectively his own worst enemy and, and the only person who could really make it happen is him. And I guess in a way Mourinho was proven right on that score, but Mourinho is not maybe the best coach for him to shine. You know, he is a guy that kind of needs free reign, kind of needs to be able to express himself. And then it didn't work under Nuno, obviously, although Nuno, I think, saw him as a bit of a fixer-upper, somebody who could revitalise, but Nuno wasn't there long enough to make that happen. So I think it's, it's a good move, I think. A change of scene, a change of lifestyle, a change of club and an opportunity for him to really be one of the main men at a team and I think he needs that and I think you look at the move to Everton for example you're coming into a really difficult situation you're coming into a team with a coach who does not have that impressive a track record in Frank Lampard yeah a, a coach that is trying to build his own career really and a team fighting a relegation battle and a team where there's quite a lot of negativity around it it's probably quite difficult for a, a player who's not informed to come in and perform in the way that he was expected to do. So I like this move for a lot of reasons. I think it's a good opportunity for him to remind everybody what a good footballer he can be. It's a comment I've, I've heard quite frequently from some of, uh, I think, your, your colleagues on, on Sky Sports and uh, other uh, talk shows, maybe even talk sport radio actually um, where they, they do say, well they expected him if anyone could have get, gotten anything out of it, it would have been Frank Lampard because of his obviously his, his, his tremendous playing career as a, as a box-to-box midfielder that scored a ridiculous amount of goals and, and um, of course uh, yeah, that's basically what he was being likened to as well what Delhi was being likened to as well, he was you know, being likened to the likes of Lampard and Gerrard, you know, midfielders that could uh, score uh, a lot of goals. And, of course, he scored 51 Premier League goals in uh, 194 appearances, which is very impressive, I would say, especially given the age at uh, which he did it as well. Um, But I find it a little mind-boggling, though, that people seem to expect Frank Lampard as a coach like they seem to think it's he's one and the same. Like Frank Lampard, the coach, is a different entity from Frank Lampard, 
from Frank Lampard to play. Like you said, he's not having the best of luck so far in his coaching career, very much trying to uh, make his own way. Maybe he's not really in, 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 in the right space uh, of his career right now to be taking on pet projects like this. Um, which I don't know if that maybe it's maybe a little demeaning, but uh. no. But I, I I think that there is an oversimplification. I yeah. think of coaching sometimes. I think there is an assumption that because La- mm-hmm. you got to remember as well, Lampard played in very successful teams. Yeah, you yeah, know, Lampard course. wasn't fighting relegation battles for most mm-hmm. of his career, mm-hmm. and so to then expect Deli Deli Ali to rock up at Goodison. Yeah. and suddenly start playing like prime Frank Lampard doesn't make any sense because he hasn't got those same players around him. He hasn't got Drogba, you know, doing damage left, right and centre up front. He hasn't got guys like SCN behind him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not the same. So I don't think that was ever likely to happen. And you need the right pieces around you. I mean, let's not forget, he played some of his best football at Tottenham and probably with England with Harry Kane in the team. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got a player of his intelligence, Harry Kane, and his quality, tying up defenders, you're going to have space to play. And, and so I think that's why, uh, it's a big reason why Deli Ali was so successful. And if you've got a target like that, then obviously you're going to get a fair few assists as well. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think, you know, the Premier League's unforgiving. We know that. Uh, and I think Delhi would look at it and, and think he probably hasn't, necessarily performed in the way that he's capable of for quite some time so i think that tells you why he's made this move you know he he feels he needs change feels he needs a reset there's no reason why this can't give it to him do you think that uh, linking up with uh, wout weghorst at besiktas now of course uh, you've watched uh, uh, commentating bundesliga games for wolfsburg do you think that's going to be a good match for him not exactly hurricane of course but you know a big Target that managed to ties up uh, ties ties up a lot of defenders, intelligent runs. Uh, do you think that's somebody he's going to uh, mesh well with? I'd like to think so. Uh, I think uh, I was surprised it didn't work out for Veghorst at Burnley, but Burnley are not the most progressive team. Mm-hmm. They're not a team that makes a huge amount of chances, and they're a team that ultimately got relegated. So that maybe wasn't the right environment for Veghorst in the end. But there's a great player in there. Uh, I mean, we know how good he is in the air. We know how tough he is. But he can play. He can link the play. He can bring others into it. So I don't see any reason why, if both of them stay fit and both of them are first-team regulars, I don't see any reason why they can't gel well as a pairing, I I think. Because Delhi playing just off a good centre-forward, that's where you should see the best of him. And that's where you should see those inventive passes, those tricks and flicks the kind of things that beat defenders. So, yeah, I, th- I think that does give him a good opportunity. And what are your expectations for Delhi? Do you think he's going to be able to relaunch his career now? Do you think this is a better platform for him than perhaps Everton was because of the circumstances they were in? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think obviously a team that's expected to, to be at the top end of the Turkish Super League, I think that's fair to say, that's expected to, to be pushing to to have a fair bit of possession, to win a fair few games. So I think he should get the tools with which to work. Then it comes down to what he brings to it. What intensity can he bring to it? What energy can he bring to it? Can he rebuild his confidence? Because it's clear the player that did so well in 2018 at the World Cup, the player that did so well in the Premier League at one stage, that's not the Deli Alley we've got right now. So one would hope 
that he can find some form and that we can see the player we once did. Yeah, and he needs to find his moxie back, the street footballer that he, he is really to, in his core. I guess he needs to uh, reinvent himself a little bit in that regard and hopefully the, the support from uh, the fans in the stands will uh, will help him in that regard. He seems really... Did you watch the footage from, of him arriving? I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. And I think that, you know, that's a massive boost for any player. Yeah. And I think we underestimate that sometimes. And obviously it brings its own pressure as well because, mm. you know, if it seems like half the city's turned up to greet you, players can take that one or two ways. They can either go, wow, this is amazing, and they really feel that love and it builds confidence, or they can crumble under that pressure. I would hope it will be the former and not the latter, and I guess we'll see in the next few months. But I, I think this is a positive move for him. I'd, I'd like to think so anyway. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you do notice a lot with these uh, Premier League signings, because Vicious have made quite a few over the last couple of seasons. So that I do have the impression that these guys are usually used to a certain amount of pressure, and uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem to get to them too much. Uh, Masuaku, who Vicious just uh, signed on loan from from West Ham, he you know got signed and started his first game a few days later, walked into the team as if he'd been there for. For, for a year or two already, I felt like it uh, really uh, looked confident. And hopefully maybe Daliali can uh, regain some of that confidence with this uh, reception of his. Um, a final question for you, uh, Kevin. Were you... like? Do, 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 can you fathom why he chose Turkey of all places? Why wouldn't he go to, for example, Celtic or Rangers or something? Which is... We, we've seen players do in the Premier League that have, you know... Have, had their careers maybe sidetracked a little bit but then go and reinvent themselves up north why do you think he is picking turkey of all places which is not the most uh, common destination i think for a player in his situation i mean in a, i guess in a way only he can answer that but my guess would be a few things really i, I think obviously it's culturally something different and i think that does appeal to players climate wise i think obviously you know that doesn't do any harm i think as well but i think as well there's a obviously you're under pressure in a different way in turkey and there is a media spotlight but i think to get away from the uk media spotlight is not a terrible thing and i think sometimes when players go to celtic or rangers they don't really escape that scrutiny so i think he needs relative peace to work in and I think the ideal scenario would be that it works really well in Turkey and that maybe he does stay, you know, but even if he doesn't, even if it's just a kind of relatively short term move that suits Bajiktas in the, in the short term, suits him, and then he goes back to England, hopefully that will be a move that's worked out for everybody. So I think, as I say, I think maybe it's, it's lifestyle, it's culture, but I think also it's that change of media landscape because the only question really that's been asked in the British media about him is what happened to Delhi Alley and that's gone on for a good couple of years now I'd say yeah yeah and people see I, I've seen a lot of different people some are really really harsh on him and feel like uh, he's I guess thrown away all his talents and then other people are a little bit more nuanced in it and uh, hope genuinely seem to hope that uh, he manages to uh, find himself again in Turkey. Spurs fans especially seem to be very uh, keen on him still and hope he does well. Uh, yeah, 
I think that's true, and I think that tells you a lot about him as a person. I think he was popular at Spurs, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you listen to players who've known him for a long, long time, uh, and they'll tell you he's a humble guy. They'll tell you that he's a good guy, and you know there does seem to be, in general, apart from the kind of sensationalist headlines about you know just knocking him for the sake of it. I think, mm. in general, there is a real willingness for him to do well and to, and to rediscover that joy of playing. The good thing is that in Turkey, this media can be very similar to the, the British one, I think, where one moment they'll be praising you into the heavens and then the next day when you fall off your pedestal, they'll be burying you, uh, you know, yeah. six feet deep. But the good thing is he doesn't understand Turkish, so he won't have to worry <laughs> yeah, about that. That'll help. That'll help. <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you very much for your time and your insights on Dali Ali. And uh, thank, you, thank you and good luck with uh, all the, the, the games coming up in the coming months, uh, especially with the World Cup. Doing any of that or are you taking a little break during November? Uh, it'll be a mix. There'll be a, a relative break, but I imagine I'll be covering a fair bit of it for various people. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you again, Kevin Hatcher here from Talk Sports Radio. And uh, thank you for listening as well. And thank you to our previous guests, Ricky Sachs and uh, Dylan Walsh as well, for their insights on uh, Deli Ali. And, well, let's hope uh, that he is in the squad on Monday and that we get to see him straight away. So once again, thank you to Kevin Hatchard. You can find him on Twitter, uh, at Kevin Hatchard, one word. K-E-V-I-N-H-A-T-C-H-A-R-D. Uh, and again, you know, uh, commentator for Bundes, for the Bundesliga on radio, UEFA.com, TalkSport, uh, Sky Sports News. You know, he's, he's all over the place. So thanks to Kevin for coming on to our podcast. And of course, thank you to Khan Bayazit for all of these interviews. You can find him at R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N, as you probably all know. I mean, what more can I say? Uh, that about covers it, right? Like, that's, that was a lot of information, I would, I would suppose. So let me just wrap this sucker up. Uh, fantastic having all of those guests on. Once again, uh, thank you to Ricky Sachs at R-I-C-K-Y-S-A-C-K-S. Thank you to Dylan Walsh at D-Y-L-A-N-W-A-L-S-H underscore. And of course to Kevin Hatchard at K-E-V-I-N-H-A-T-C-H-A-R-D. And Khan, who you know where to find him. Um... And of course, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Um, great to be here with you folks. Follow us on tw- Instagram, of course, Black Eagles podcast, one word. I don't think I have anything else to say beyond, you know, we will, of course, be back. We have to wait until Monday for our first match where we are hosting again, uh, Sivas. Sivas for maybe Kessian will be able to play against his side, Atakan. Um, so hopefully we'll get to see Dele Ali for the first time. So he'll get some training experience under his belt between now and then. He came in quite late, of course, to, uh, to Istanbul last night. So it might be a moment or two, but anyway, 
uh, we will be back post-match as always. I'm sure maybe Khan will want to jump on as well if, if there's a lot to talk about. Either way, you know I'll be back. Um, so yeah, stay posted for that. And of course, let's go, go Bashing Clash! Peace out, everybody. And good luck to Dele Ali. Good luck to Shiktash International hopes you enjoyed this program.